you're listening to a City on a Hill podcast. We'd love you to use and share this podcast, but please refrain from editing the content without permission from City on a Hill. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au. John 17, 6 to 26. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you, for I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost, except the son of destruction, that the sculpture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my full my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I did not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in truth, your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, and they may, and they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved me and loved them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also, that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you so much, Dana. You can keep that one. Actually, you can give that one back to Lisa. Thanks very much. Hey, good morning, Sydney Hill. So good to see so many people here this morning. I'm glad you've been able to find a seat. I'm glad you've been able to make it at the right time. Uh, congratulations. Uh, we, as Lisa said, we're kicking off a series on prayer. I should introduce myself, shouldn't I? Yeah, all right. Uh, if we haven't had the pleasure of meeting, my name is Neil. I get to be one of the pastors here uh, at Sydney Hill. Uh, everyone else is on leave. Uh, that's why you've got me this morning. Yeah. One person's happy, excellent. <laughs> nice one. Hey, well, we are kicking off a series on prayer, so we should start by praying, right? Would you pray with me? Let's pray. Gracious Father, what, a, what, just what an incredible privilege it is uh, to come before you in prayer. 
that you are a good father, that you love to listen to our prayers, that you love to hear us, that you love to answer our prayers. And so, Lord, we pray this morning that, uh, that your Holy Spirit would just be at work uh, in us, amongst us this morning. Lord, would you give us uh, ears to hear? Would you give us eyes to see and tongues to taste your beauty and your glory? Would you just be doing the miraculous work of transforming our hearts and minds to be more like your, your son, Jesus Christ? I pray that uh, what I have to say this morning would be just uh, well-pleasing in your sight. We pray these things in the mighty, mighty name of the Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Uh, who else finds prayer hard? All right, a few honest people. It's all right, there's no shame, all right? We can be honest. Prayer, prayer is hard, right? And I think, you know, regardless of, of uh, who we are, whether you're a Christian or not, uh, we know something about prayer, that prayer is uh, some kind of talking to God. And we know that it, prayer is something that Christians do, right? It's an integral part of being a Christian, that Christians pray. Uh, and we all know that uh, we should do it. And I, my, but my guess is that for many of us, uh, that on one hand, we we. We, should, we know that we should probably pray more than we actually do, right? Uh, and yet then on the other hand, we also know that, that well, to actually do that, like prayer is not supposed to be some kind of uh, like rigid and, and ritualistic kind of programmed kind of pray at this time in this kind of way, pray these particular words verbatim, because, because we know prayer is uh, it's, it's about being in relationship and, and cultivating our relationship with God. This whole being reconciled and being in relationship with God, it's the whole point of the gospel. In fact, it's the whole point of salvation history that, uh, that we would be reconciled to God. That we've been, and that part of that is that we've been given this incredible gift of being able to converse with the Creator. And we can only do that because we know that, that Jesus came and Jesus died and he suffered and he, and he died a bloody death, death on a cross for us in our place. And so we have every reason in the world to be constantly praying to God. And yet it's hard, isn't it? Yeah? I, I know that for many of us, we, we just find kind of prayer difficult. Maintaining a, a vibrant prayer uh, life just often seems kind of at, at best elusive. And then when we, you know, if we find praying by ourselves, even if, when, if that is difficult, then, you know, the idea of then praying uh, out loud in, in front of others can also kind of be scary as well, right? So, you know, when we, if we meet in our gospel communities, we know we should pray, but everyone's like, oh, do I have the awkward silence during prayer or prayer meetings? There's those, um, you have those times where you don't really know what to say, and so you kind of spend that time when someone else is praying, trying to plan what you're going to say, right? And then halfway through, you forget your plan. And so you just kind of end up repeating yourself and kind of circling back. And then you kind of peter out because you don't really know what to say. You don't know how to land a plane. Perhaps you, you, you're scared that you kind of pray the wrong thing and be like a bit of an accidental heretic. And then there's always that, like, you know, that, that, that awkward corrective prayer that comes next where the other person needs to like correct <laughs> your prayer because you prayed the wrong thing. Or there's, there's what I like to think of as like the, the sanctified swearing prayer. All right, so you, you know, some people, I know the kids here, use a lot of bad words, 
all time. Like every second word, instead of um and ah, it's a swear word. You know, it's like punctuation. Well, there's like, you know, I'm not going to, you know what I mean, right? There's like a Christian version of that in prayer, right? It's like kind of like, instead of using bad words, we just insert God in there instead, right? So it's, you know, uh, Lord God, we just pray, Lord God, that your Holy Spirit, Lord God, would be, Lord God, with us, Lord God. And we don't really know what to do, and so we kind of just fill it with, with other things. And, and maybe that's you, and you know you do that, and now you feel really awkward and self-conscious about praying even more, because prayer is hard, right? And so when we come to a series like this, maybe we've got a bit of mixed feelings, right? Because on one hand, we know that like, well, yeah, a series on prayer should be great. We need more encouragement. We need more, more teaching about prayer. I mean, the disciples asked Jesus, like, teach us to pray. So we need to be taught how to pray. Uh, for, for some of us, like, we just smash prayer. I know some of you guys are just awesome, incredible prayer warriors, always wanting to pray. But then on the other hand, we, we kind of might expect a, a series like this, that at the end of the day, we're just going to, be, going, to, going to be told that, well, you know, we need to pray more than we know that we already should. Maybe we're expecting some kind of tips on how to be better at prayer, some acronyms, acts, you know that one? But perhaps, you know, a bunch of us, we already know a bunch of those things. We know we should pray more. Well, we've got a we've got hundred devotionals at home that, that will help us pray, and yet... We, we might just feel like we're going to kind of come away from this whole thing feeling guilty that we don't do more. And so my hope this morning is simply just to provide you with some encouragement and fuel for prayer. Uh, one of the things I love about this uh, passage, this prayer in John 17 of Jesus, is uh, that he, if you read through it, it kind of sounds a bit like he's, he's ad-libbing it. Like he, he's just making it up as he goes along. It doesn't seem to be some kind of like uh, formal, well-thought-out kind of structured prayer, like a well-rehearsed kind of piece of prose. He's just a guy who's, who's praying what's on his heart to the Father. It's not a formal prayer like we might see in the, in the Lord's Prayer that he gives to the disciples and they ask, you know, how do we pray? And there's, there's some like kind of structure that we might see there. But, but as Jesus prays here, like he, kind of, like he kind of repeats himself a couple of times and he circles back on something that he's already prayed and he prays the same thing again and he kind of then you know, might clarify or expand a bit on what he's done. And I don't know about you, but, but I kind of resonate with that. Like, that's how I feel like I pray sometimes, like you know, repeating myself, circling back, not sure where to go. And so here it seems like, like Jesus is, is just a regular guy praying what's on his heart to God the Father. And yet, we know that when, when Jesus prays, that it's, it's not simply uh, another conversation with the Creator, but, but when Jesus prays, we actually get a, an insight into a, a conversation among the Creator, right? And so my point this morning is not, hey, this is how Jesus prays, and so let's be more like Jesus. Right? That's, that's good, and that's another sermon, uh, but that's not what I want us to see this morning. So the big idea that I think we need to see this, and, and this is the, the encouragement and fuel that we need, because I think when we, when we grasp this, that it's an absolute game changer for our prayer life. And it's this, that Jesus is praying for you. You know that? That, that Jesus is actually praying for you. So we're going to uh, read again from verse 6, 11, if you've got your Bible. Uh, to open up there. Uh, we kind of dive into 
partway through it where Jesus just finished up his sermon and he's, and he's praying off the back of that. Uh, and so he says this. He says, I have manifested your name to the people who, whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now, they know that everything that you have given me is from you, for I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but those whom you have given me, for they are yours. And then just to be sure that, so we can be sure that he's not just talking about the disciples, that he's, he's there with there and them, but that he's, he's talking about uh, all Christians in all of time. He says down in verse 20 that I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. So, so if you're a Christian, if you're a believer, that, that's you. That, that Jesus is praying for you. See, if, uh, if Jesus was in the next room, and maybe you could kind of overhear him praying, what, what might he be praying for you right now? How would Jesus be praying for you? See, one of the, the most incredible truths about prayer that we, I believe that we need to grasp provides us fuel for our own prayer is knowing that Jesus himself is constantly praying for you that he's constantly interceding for you before the Father. This is this in uh, Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25. So consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always, always lives to make intercession for them. Uh, Dane Orland, uh, in his great book, Gentle and Lonely, uh, he says this about this verse. It says, uh, here's what this means. The divine son never ceases, note the word always, to bring his atoning life, death, and resurrection before his father in a moment-by-moment -moment way. Christ continues to intercede on our, on our behalf in heaven because we continue to fail here on earth. One way to think of Christ's intercession then is simply this. Jesus is praying for you right now. What? kind of difference would it, would it make to, to how you pray, or, or, or what you pray, or, or when you pray, if, if you knew that Jesus is always making intercession for you, that, that he's actually praying for you right now, that, that even when you fail to pray, even when you don't know what to pray for, or don't know how to pray, that Jesus is actually praying for you. Uh, the great Dutch theologian, uh, Louis Burkhoff, uh, he wrote this about Christ's intercessory work for us. It says, It is a consoling thought that Christ is praying for us, even when we are negligent in our prayer life, that he is presenting to the Father those spiritual needs which were not present to our minds, which we have often neglect to include in our prayers, and that he prays for our protection against the dangers of which we are not even conscious against the enemies that threaten us, though we do not notice. He is praying that our faith may not cease and that we might come out victoriously in the end. And so if Christ 
it is praying for us, if Christ is praying for you, then I reckon the things that he is praying about must be pretty important, right? There's a whole lot that we could unpack in this passage here, but I just want to briefly consider four things here that Jesus is praying for us, that he's praying for you. I mean, Jesus, could have, he could have prayed about anything at this point. And, but this is what he prays for. So I think these things must be pretty important for us to know about if Jesus is praying for them for us. This is what Jesus is interceding for you on your behalf about. Uh, the first thing I want us to look at is that Jesus prays for your preservation. He prays for your preservation. Verses 9 uh, through to 13, he says, I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and are yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. So the, the incredible good news of the gospel is that, is that salvation is a gift to you from God. Right? There, there, there is nothing that you can do to deserve it. There's nothing you have done to earn it. There, there is nothing about your salvation that is up to you. And that means that if it was possible for you to lose your salvation, then you would. You, you, you don't have the power to keep your salvation any more than you have the power to save yourself. And now I realize that this might kind of bring up a whole lot of questions, questions about what that means and what does it mean for when we see people who, who walk away from uh, the faith. But, but the Bible is absolutely clear that it's salvation, that it belongs to God. That, that it's Jesus who brings many sons to glory. And the reason that you'll make it to heaven is not because of your ability to hold on to Christ, but because he's holding on to you. See, for the Christian, not, not even your sin can separate you from God. It's true that, that sin separates all people from God, and that's why all people need Jesus. That's why we need the gospel. We need to be reconciled. But, but for the believer, our sin, our, our past, our present, and our future sin, all of that has been paid for on the cross. There's not some kind of constant cycle of you know, sin and then we're separated from God again and then we need to repent. But no, Jesus said, it is finished. There's no, Jesus is not surprised by your sin, that he has paid for it all, that for the believer, we're not no longer separated from God. Don't think how our ongoing sin is, is somehow more powerful than the blood of Jesus. And in Romans 8, it says that there is nothing that can separate us from the love of Christ. There's no kind of asterisk there with a footnote down the bottom, you know, except that sin that you can't seem to defeat. But there is, there is nothing. See, Jesus is faithful to you even when you are not. That he's the one who is faithful to keep you. And see, the wonder of the, the cross, of the gospel, is, 
is not only that, that Christ died for you back then, but it's that right now, in this very moment, Christ is holding on to you. And he will not let you go. And he prays this so that you would know it. That, that you are being kept by him. And if Christ is holding on to you with his eternal, everlasting arms, and that's happening right now, how, how kind of confidence does that give you then to, to bring your, your anxieties before him? To, to bring your doubts before him? To, to bring your fears before him? What kind of confidence that does that give you to, to trust, to, to have faith in him? In verse 13, he goes on to say that, um, that, he, that he prays these things so that we might have his joy fulfilled in us. That we would have his joy. The, the joy of full assurance that Christ is holding on to you right now. And there is nothing that you can do that can separate you from him. See, so what an incredible truth that is. As I've been thinking about this this week, I've been um, constantly coming back to and dwelling on this, that, that realizing that whenever I think about it, that, that Christ is praying for me right now, then that inspires me to pray. That if, that if Christ is praying for me, then, then, then why wouldn't I come to him? And so Jesus prays for your preservation, that you would know that you're being kept by God the Father. And he goes on. He prays for your protection. Prays for your protection. Verse 14 and 15. He says, I have given them your word, the world, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. There's a, a, a constant pull away from God's word and his truth. And it's pulling us towards the world. It's trying, always kind of trying to pull us and lure us away from God. But, but notice here that, that Jesus, it is, he doesn't pray for some kind of situation change. Right? That, 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 we would be no, uh, there wouldn't be any temptation anymore. Not that we'd be taken out of this world to somehow avoid temptation. But he, doesn't, he doesn't pray that the danger that we face would be taken away, but he prays that we would be kept from sinning, that we would be uh, not overcome by the devil, that we would actually remain in the very midst of danger, but we would be able to stand because of him, that we'd be able to stand in a world that is full of trial and trouble. And so every day we, we face temptations, big and small, to, to disbelieve. To, to disbelieve God's word, to, to rebel against him, to, to, distrust, to distrust what he says, to, to worship idols, to worship things other than God. And so, in, in your fight against sin, in your fight against temptation, in your desire to be holy, how much courage does it give you to remain faithful knowing that Jesus is actually praying about this very thing for you? that he's praying that you would be able to stand against temptation. That by his Holy Spirit, he's giving you the power to resist, and he's actively praying for you for that. And so when you're tempted, 
What, what if you stopped and in that moment thought, Jesus is praying for me about this very thing right now, that I would be able to stand and be kept from sin. So even if you, if you don't feel like you're in danger, like there's, like there's an enemy who's trying to devour you, that, that Jesus prays this for you, and so it's important that you know it. So he prays for our preservation. He prays for our protection. And, and that as part of being protection, he, he play, prays that we would know our purpose and place in the world. Purpose and place in the world. Verses 16 to 19. <clears throat> says, they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself, so that they may also be sanctified in truth. Uh, the word here, sanctified, uh, means uh, that it would be set apart. And kind of more specifically, it means that we would be set apart from this world for holy service to God. See, as Christians, we should, always, we should always have this sense of kind of not really belonging here in this world. Not, this sense of not fitting in. And that, that's a tension that we should always feel. But there's actually a divine purpose to this unbelonging because as Christians, we're, as it says, we're, we're no longer of this world, but we've been sent by Jesus into this world to serve his purposes. So, so Jesus is praying for you that you would know your purpose in this world, that you know your place and your purpose in this world, and that is to, to serve him, to, to be set apart for him. And, and part of that, that purpose is, is knowing that you don't fit and you're not supposed to fit, and that's okay. And Jesus here prays, prays that you would believe his word. So it's his word and believing his word that, that is what sets us apart and, and makes us not fit in in this world. See, Jesus doesn't pray that, pray that we'd somehow kind of be able to accommodate his word to the world. But if you, if you believe what the Bible says and you live by what the Bible says, then, then you're actually going to feel incredibly out of place here. And Jesus prays that you would know that you don't fit here, in here in this world and that you're not meant to. Because we, 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 we tend to forget that, don't we? We always feel like that we should fit in. See, but the more that you know that you don't fit in, the more you'll be driven to prayer. The, the, the more uncomfortable you feel in this world, the more you'll want to pray. See, there's always going to be things that distract us from the, the purposes that God has for us. We're, we're distracted by uh, the, the cares of this world, Care, cares of what other people think about us, how, how other people might see us. There's always temptations to, to compromise on, on the truth of the Bible. Temptations to, to compromise our witness. There's temptations to just, you know, accumulate more stuff and, and comfort. Just to, just to live for, for being entertained. 
And all of these things are pulling us away from God's purpose for us in this world. And so Jesus is praying for you that you would know that you're not meant to fit in here, but you've been sent by him to serve him in this world. And this serving him, it's, it's not meant to be something that's kind of just done alone, but it's, but it's done as part of being part of the body of Christ. And so that's why he goes on to pray for the unity of his people. That Jesus prays for the unity of his people. Verses 20 to 23. It says, I do not ask for these also, but for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, they, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them. They may be one, as even we are one. In them, I in them, and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me, and love them even as you love me. This is a there's, there's lots and lots right, that we could unpack uh, here in this verse, right? And what it means for the church and for the church to be unified. Uh, but let's just consider for a moment, just kind of briefly, what, what that actually might mean for us personally. What, what, what might it mean if, if Jesus was praying this for you? If, if Jesus was in the next room and he was praying this for you, you might be one with the church. What, what might his desires be for you and your, and your relationship and fellowship with other believers? Because, because this is what he's praying for, so it must be pretty important, right? Our, our relationship with one another. See, see God's purposes for uh, the unity of the church are what? So that the world may know that Jesus has been sent by God the Father to, to seek and save the lost. That the relationships between fellow believers is to be a witness to the world about who Jesus truly is. And so if Jesus is praying for you about your relationship with other believers, what, what might he be praying for? Maybe there's, there's other Christians that, that you need to reconcile with. Maybe you need to forgive. Or maybe you need to, uh, to, to, to repent. To, confess to. Maybe you need to, to let the gospel do its work in your relationship so that it might shine and others might see that. Uh, maybe you've been hurt or kind of burnt a bit by the church. You kind of kept your distance, but, but now it's time to, to actually pursue fellowship again. Uh, maybe, maybe you've kind of just been a bit more of a, of a, of a consumer of the church and you've kind of been a bit more of a, a plus one rather than being one with the church. And so the problem is not so much kind of disunity, but just a, a lack of relationship, a lack of actual fellowship with other believers. And now is the time we actually need to, to plug in and actually be part of the church. Or maybe Jesus is calling you to think about who it is that you could be encouraging. Who, who could you be walking alongside? Who could you be discipling or mentoring? Because what he's calling us into it is greater fellowship amongst one another so that we might demonstrate what it means to be one as a church so that others might know who he is. So this is how, how concerned Jesus is with our relationship with other believers, that he would be praying for it. And why is that? It's for his namesake. 
so that people would know who he is. And so friends, what I want you to know this morning is that, that Jesus is praying for you. That he's praying for your preservation, that you would be kept by God. That he's praying for your protection, that you'd be, you'd be kept from temptation and, and that you'd be kept from the evil one. He's praying that you would know your, your purpose and place in this world. That you've been set apart to serve him. And, he, and he's praying for your, your relationship and your fellowship with other believers. So, as this is a series about prayer, uh, we're not just going to talk about prayer, but we're also actually going to pray. Now, I know some of you are starting to freak out. All right? We're not going to turn to each other in small groups and pray. All right? We're actually just going to pray by ourselves. Uh, and so, what, the thing that we're going to do is just uh, let this scripture guide us in the things that we pray about. Uh, one of the most helpful things I've found in terms of how we can pray, if you don't know how to pray, is to let Scripture guide you in prayer. So open up Scripture, and as you read it, they're the things to pray for. And I reckon this is a great starting place, because this is what Jesus is praying for, right? So if Jesus is praying for these, let's pray for these for ourselves as well. So just as, uh, as Steph plays, we're just going to spend some time now just praying through these things. So I'll lead us and I'll talk through each kind of section and just give you a few moments, just in the quiet, for you to pray about these things, knowing that this is what Jesus is praying for you, that he is right now interceding for you on your behalf before the Father, and that because of that, that you can pray to him about these things. Perhaps... Uh, if you're not sure what to pray in each of these things, you're not sure what to pray, just you can simply pray that Jesus would show you how he's praying for you in this moment. I just want to invite you to pray. We'll spend just a couple of moments together on each of those things and then we'll sing. But would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we just, just want to thank you uh, that you are interceding for us before the Father. That it's only by you, by your blood, by your death and your, your resurrection that, that we can come before God. Uh, that you are our great high priest who intercedes before us. We don't need anyone else. We don't, we don't need a priest here on this earth. We don't need anyone else. We don't need anything but you. And so, Lord, we want to thank you. Lord, just take some time now to, to, to thank Jesus for interceding for you, that, that he's constantly praying for you, bringing your needs before the Father, even when you don't need to, you don't know what they are. We like to thank him that, that he's faithful even when you are not. Let's pray for those things.
And then Jesus prays that you would be kept by the Father. What kind of confidence does that give you to, to bring your doubts, your fears, your anxieties before him? Take, take a few moments now to, to, to just bring them to God and, and to lay them at his feet. Maybe uh, you, you need that joy that Jesus talks about here. The, the joy of full salvation, the joy of full assurance. Ask him for that. Jesus prays that you would be kept from evil. I mean, where are those places that you're just being tempted right now? Where there's temptations to sin? Or what, what sin do you need to confess and repent and receive forgiveness for? Bring them, bring them to him now. And Jesus prays that, that you might know your purpose and place, that you might be set apart to serve him in this world. Maybe you need help to believe his word, especially the, the difficult things that, that, that is what particularly puts us at odds with the word, the world, that it's his true word. Maybe there's worldly things that are distracting you, being seduced by them. Perhaps there's areas you're being tempted to, to compromise. Bring those things before him now. Or perhaps there's, there's, there's a particular way that, that Jesus is calling you to serve him. Maybe you need to ask him about that. And then Jesus prays that, that you would be one with him and his people. Is there, is there someone that you need to reconcile with or you need to forgive or confess and repent to? Is the Lord calling you to actually plug into church, have, have deeper and proper relationship with other believers? Or, or is there someone that he's placing on your heart to, to encourage or walk alongside or, or disciple? Bring those things before him now.
Lord Jesus, what an incredible thing it is that you would pray for us. You didn't just pray for us once 2,000 years ago, but that you continually intercede for us even now. That even when we fail, that even when we are faithless, that you are faithful. Even when we let go of you, you never let go of us. Even when we are, we are blind to temptations and we succumb to temptations, that, that you pray for our protection, that you have defeated the evil one. That we, you have given us all we need to, to live holy lives for you. Lord, may we know what it means that we, that we are not of this world, but that you have sent us to be part, set us apart and to serve you in this world. Lord, may our relationships with other believers just be such an incredible display and demonstration of the good news of the gospel that, that reconciles us, that the world may know that you have been sent by God the Father to seek and save the lost. Lord, may your prayers for us be the fuel and the fire that we need. It's in your mighty name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au.